0: The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Please open to John chapter 10. We're gonna look at a number of scriptures today, but that will be kind of the main one to look at. If you uh, don't wanna pay attention to me or lose track of where we are, just start reading John 10 and and you'll be in good shape. Because today we're gonna continue to discuss how God is at work all around us. I share this with you, this is something very exciting that is happening um, in our community and in our church. Just last Sunday during our worship service, I talked to multiple people who on that Sunday uh, gave their lives to the Lord for the very first time, and that's happening all over the place. Like, people are walking into the church and being saved, they're walking into your offices and they're ready to receive the gospel. They're sitting down in restaurants ready to hear the good news because God is at work. He's at work all around us, drawing people to himself. And as we grow in relationship with the living God, as we respond to his love and realize that he's invited us into that work, we get to watch and see as God does amazing things all around us, as God does work that only he can do. And he invites us to participate in that. He does things that we can't do. He convicts of sin. He convicts of, of what is righteous. He opens spiritual eyes. He draws people to himself. He reveals the truth through his word, and yet he does that through us, his servants. How do we know though? How do we know when, when an assignment is from God? This is something that maybe you've struggled to, with before. How do we know when we're supposed to go this way or that way? We talk about participating and joining in the work of God. How do you know what's his work versus what is just our good idea? Have you ever wrestled with that? I certainly have. But what scripture says when we read passages throughout scripture, it says things like he will direct our paths. How do we know what is the step he has given us versus just our own good intent? Well, what scripture reveals is that God speaks. God speaks. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, it says, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. I want you to note this, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse three, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. With a spoken word, the universe sprang into existence and the entire Bible, Old and New Testament is from cover to cover, a written revelation of the words of God to us. Throughout scripture, we see God speak and he speaks in a number of ways. We see him speak and these are the ones that stand out to us. He speaks with an audible voice that is heard by the ears of those that are listening. We see that in Adam and Eve, they're, they're in the garden, they've sinned against God and they're, they're hiding in their shame and in their nakedness. And it says, but the Lord called to the man and he said to Adam, where are you? God speaks personally to Adam. I think of Moses at the burning bush as Moses is standing on this holy ground and he sees this bush that's enveloped in fire but not consumed and he hears the voice of God Almighty there at this bush. It says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. I think of the child Samuel in the Old Testament who, who come, becomes one of the greatest prophets in the scriptures as he's there and he, he's sleeping and he hears this gentle whispering voice of God calling him by name, calling him to this ministry of being a prophet of God. The Lord, and I think of all the prophets throughout the Old Testament who speak or they write on behalf of God. You know, that's what a prophet is. A prophet is someone who speaks for God, who God delivers messages to, to deliver to us for our edification. And as God speaks in the Old Testament, we see he doesn't only speak in an audible voice, he speaks in a variety of ways with a gentle whisper to some with, with symbols, with dreams, with visions, miraculous signs, written words, and through his prophets, these messengers, God, the father speaks. God, the son speaks, I mean, that one is is fairly obvious. We just went through the gospel of Mark for like a year and a half. And did you know that Jesus speaks? He has things to say, but what you need to understand is that, that God put on flesh and he dwelt among us. God was in person with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus spoke, those are the very words of God. If you have one of those red letter Bibles where you see the the words of Jesus in red, those are are the very direct words of the Son of God to us. God the Son speaks. Hebrews one, one to three says it this way. It says, long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, that is Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by what? By the word of his power. The disciples of Jesus were listening to the words of God when they listened to the words of Jesus, the same words that we read now. They were hearing the very words of God God incarnate. John 6, 62, Jesus says it this way. He says, the words that I've spoken to you, these are spirit and life. These are the words of God. God the Father speaks, God the Son speaks, God the Holy Spirit speaks even now. John 14, 25, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's with his disciples. This is a passage we looked at last week. He's with his disciples in their final hours together and he says this, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. And he's going to die on a cross, he's going to rise from the grave and then some weeks later he's going to ascend to be with the Father. He tells them he's leaving and he says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He says this in John sixteen thirteen. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Everyone, just look at me for a moment. This is the reality of, of what we experience. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have received the spirit of God, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. And what he has promised is that he will continue to speak to us now. He leads us, He guides us. The the Spirit empowers the believer in the work of God. If you've been part of this church for for any period of time, you know this, this won't surprise you, but we are convinced from the Word of God that God continues to speak by His Holy Spirit to people today. And this is not just religious, anointed, special people, though anointing is is a real thing from the Lord. But what we see, and we saw this last week with Philip, he speaks to and through ordinary people like you. I wonder if some of you have stories to tell of how God has spoken in your life. You need to share those stories with one another to encourage each other, to to reveal how God has been at work in your life and in the lives of people around you. We need that. Apart from this, apart from being led by the spirit of God in agreement with his word, I don't know how I would live this Christian life. I'd be missing out on, on so much. Now there's some people who might say, probably because of a lack of experience of this in their life. They would say that, Mark, no, no, no. What we read about Philip and Acts last week, what we read in the New Testament, that's just descriptive. It's not prescriptive. It's not saying that this is what's going to continue in this life, no, it's it's just for back then. And yet Malachi 3.6 is so clear about the nature of God. He says, for I, the Lord, do not change. God did not give this instruction. Jesus did not give this instruction that a helper was coming, the Holy Spirit to bring to their remembrance these things, to empower their words. He did not tell them that so that it could be forgotten in a few decades and ignored for us to look back on as something just descriptive. No, this is the prescription for us, for Christian living that we indwelt by the Holy Spirit would learn to hear and respond to the voice of God. Jesus says that that this is what it's going to be for those that are his sheep. In John 10 that I told you to turn to, you can read this starting in verse one through six. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he's teaching about himself and he's about to use an analogy. He says, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, maybe you're familiar with that. This passage or with this concept. And Jesus is, is painting a picture for them that they're not yet getting, this audience that's listening to him. And, and that is this picture of a shepherd out in, in the fields with his sheep. Maybe you've heard p- preachers say this, but when there's a, a group of herds of sheep that are together out in a field, the different shepherds, there's this amazing thing happens where when the different shepherds come together and they call out with a specific call, their sheep separate from the rest of the crowd and are drawn to them. Just this week as I was supposed to be preparing for a sermon, I went down the the rabbit hole of of watching videos of shepherds calling sheep. You might do that this week on on YouTube. But it's, it's actually, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. I saw one where there were maybe six people that went up to a fence and they did their best shepherd call, calling out to the sheep. Not a movement at all. And then the shepherd comes up and he calls out to them. And first they just turn and look and then they run. The whole herd runs towards the voice of their shepherd. It's really fun to watch this. Jesus says, it's like this. He says, my sheep know my voice. That means those that belong to him, his children, they know his voice. My children, they've each gone through this phase, and maybe you're familiar with this, where when someone knocks on the door or someone rings the doorbell, they are so eager to just sprint down and open the door to whoever knocks or rings. Anyone go through that with your kids? And you have to go through some training with them to know that, that you shouldn't just throw the door open to anyone who knocks or rings, because it may be someone we know, but it may be a stranger. And so we've had to, to train them to not be so eager to throw the, the gate of our home open, so to speak. Whether it's a stranger or not, we've had to teach them to answer the door with our permission. So you answer the door. My, my children are eight and below. I have four of them they are eight and below right now. So we say, you can answer the door with our permission. Or if we know someone is coming to the door, know someone's gonna be here any minute, like grandma and grandpa, if we know they're coming, then you can say to them through the door, who is it? And they can open when they recognize their voice. That's what Jesus is saying here. And I wonder this morning, how often we open our door in our life to the voice of strangers, to let in influences and voices and, and, and leading that is not from the Lord to just leave that gate wide open to whatever our favorite motivational speaker or newsfeed, uh, crusader has to say on any given day. When we know him, we recognize his voice. And so what I see in my children now is, is we maybe train them a little too well, where if they, someone rings the doorbell and we're not expecting company, what do they do? They flee, they flee and they find us and they're like, someone's at the door, which is not an emergency actually. (laughs) But when they recognize that voice, they're at peace, they open the door and they welcome in that who they know. Do you know how to distinguish the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Spirit of God from the voice of the stranger, those who are are opposed to the Word of God, even if they're convincing. Do you know how to recognize the voice of God, the Holy Spirit in your life? I hope what I've illustrated by showing you all these different passages about God speaking, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our Trinitarian God speaking is that he speaks how he speaks, it's, there's a variety of ways how he speaks, but that he speaks is the most important thing. But what I want you to, to understand is, now how do we recognize the voice of God, the Holy Spirit in our life as believers in Jesus? Well, the first thing I'll say about this, and we'll continue this next week, is, is that number one, God speaks to believers by his indwelling Holy Spirit. That, now that's not to say that, that God couldn't speak to someone who doesn't know him. I, I hear miraculous stories from around the world, especially in this Islamic context of Jesus coming to people in dreams and visions to appeal to them, to turn to him before the believer. There is something different. There's an, an internal leading of the Holy spirit. You have him within you to lead you and to guide you. And, and Paul says this in Romans eight, nine, he says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. You have to belong to Jesus. You have to have received salvation through christ alone by faith alone in what he has done through that gospel that we were just singing about in order to receive his spirit as your own jesus said this in john chapter 10 starting in verse 22 it says at that time the feast of the of dedication took place in jerusalem and it was winter and jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of solomon so the jews gathered around him and said to him how long will you keep us in suspense If you're the Christ, tell us plainly They're saying, are you actually this promised Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one we've been expecting? Why can't you just tell us plainly and listen to what he says? Jesus answered them. I told you, he's saying, I did tell you that I'm the Christ. I told you, and you do not believe me the works that I do in my father's name, bear witness about me, but you do not believe why? Because you're not among my sheep, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one." See, he says, it's not that you don't hear me. It's that you can't hear me. You're not one of my sheep. You have not yet believed in me as the Christ, as the Messiah. For us, the application of this is is simple. Have you believed the gospel? Have you believed in Jesus as your only path to salvation, that, that by his broken body and shed blood for you on a cross, your sins were paid in full. And through his resurrection, you can receive not just forgiveness of your sins, but eternal life with him. You can be raised with him. Have you believed that? See, when you believe that, when you believe and confess the reality of the gospel, you receive his spirit to speak to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter two, the apostle Paul describes this change that takes place. When we come to believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, as, as Jesus saves us and gives us his Holy Spirit, he says the natural person, that means the person on their own attached from this relationship with God does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we, speaking of believers, we have the mind of Christ. That's what you have in the Holy Spirit of God. You have the mind of christ i saw this just recently a few months ago i was i I was invited by a couple friends to go out and do some uh street evangelism which is pretty exciting and uh, to go and just share the gospel to to practice sharing the gospel not just practice but to actually share the gospel with people who uh, had not yet received this good news and so we're kind of walking around a a mall and we're we're uh, talking to whoever will talk to us asking questions like hey do you believe that life is short or long and just starting a conversation like from that and, and beginning to talk about, do you believe there is life after this? Those kinds of things. Well, we come to one young man who um, looks like he just wants to be at the mall. You know, he's got cool shoes, he's got a cool hat. He's wearing, you know, got the gold chains and everything. He looks way better than the rest of us. And, um, and, and we walk up to him and start talking and he wants to talk and he's very open and, and he's very open to talking. And he describes his life and he says, we ask him if he has any kind of background of belief, any kind of uh, you know, if he has any kind of religious worldview, and he says, well, I was raised Catholic, um, but then he admitted that he didn't really know what would happen to him after this life. We ask him, we say, well, well like, if, if you were to die tonight, not that that, we hope that will happen, but if it were to happen, what do you think would happen next? And he said, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'd be re- reincarnated or something. And I was like, you're not Catholic. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's, it's kind of common, right? People don't know they don't have confidence, certainly they don't have confidence. He, and he admitted that he didn't really know. And, and he was earnest and he was searching and he was open, but he had not yet believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord. He had not yet received salvation. And, and you could tell that God had been drawing him, that he was close to the kingdom. But this is what I've, I've just been trying to illustrate to you. Apart from the indwelling spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, he couldn't hear with clear spiritual ears. He couldn't see with clear spiritual eyes. And I think this is where we make a mistake when when sharing our faith. We think we need to convince someone 100% of the reality of the gospel. We need to convince them 100% and and then they will believe. And then they'll receive the Holy Spirit. And then they'll pray for salvation. But this is what I, I learned with this interaction with this guy we 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 do need to work to convince people to have a reason for the hope that we have and invite them into belief but what actually happens is that when someone professes belief in christ that is when they receive the spirit that is when their eyes open their ears open to understand to be born again they, they become that brand new believer and so here we are with this guy in, in the mall and he's he is searching for answers and he has absolutely no confidence in his kind of hindu catholicism he he but when he hears about Jesus and he hears about this forgiveness of sins and about the cross on which that barrier between him and God, that barrier that he sensed and could see was taken away, removed by what Jesus has done. When he saw that and he learned that by simple belief, by throwing himself upon the grace of God, he could receive everlasting life. He was, he was like, I want that. I mean, we asked him, do you want that? And he's like, why wouldn't I want that? Right? Do you guys know that? that people are are just one interaction, one conversation away from salvation. I wonder how many would say in response to a clear presentation of the gospel, why wouldn't I want that? And so he wants it and we pray with him and he professes faith in, in Jesus and I don't know how to describe it. I can't describe it any other way, but, but that after we finished praying, his eyes were opened, not just literally, his eyes were opened because he was able to recite back to us what had just transpired. As we asked him questions like, do you know what just happened? And he said, he would say things like, my sins are paid for in full. God has removed the barrier between him and me. We're like, yeah, how did he do that? Through Christ dying on the cross for me. It was like there were things he had heard before where suddenly when he prayed and confessed this faith in Jesus, he could see them for the first time because he had received the spirit of the living God in salvation. And then he says something else that's just funny. He didn't quite have the terminology, but he says, he says, I feel like a newborn baby. We're like, that's it. Because today you have been born again. This is the simplicity of the gospel and the promise of the spirit given in one sentence. In in the book of Acts, you remember this at Pentecost. There's thousands of people gathered together and and there's people speaking in tongues and all kinds of wild things happening, but Peter stands up to preach, right? And he preaches this clear presentation of the gospel and their response, the response of the crowd isn't, we get it, it's what must we do? What must we do? And he says in response to that in Acts 2, 38, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we see that God speaks and he speaks by his Holy Spirit, his indwelling spirit to believers. We see secondly, that God speaks by his spirit through his word. Through the written word of God, the revelation of God is all around us. God reveals Himself in creation; the heavens declare the glory of God. We see His handiwork all around us. We see Him in His image bearers, in other human beings. We see Him revealed in His church. But the clearest and most direct revelation of God that we have is this word of God, and by it all other revelation of God is clarified and defined. Second Timothy three sixteen it says this sixteen and seventeen all Scripture is breathed out by God. And It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the primary way in which the spirit of God speaks to the believer, if you want to hear God speak, he speaks through his written word. And through his word, this is our life. This informs all aspects of our faith, all aspects of our practice. In Matthew four, four, Jesus says this. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. We said it before the series, but God desires that you would feed on his word, that this would be our daily bread, that we would spend time constantly in his word. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul says, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Why? Because it's able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So how do we do this? We spend time feeding on God's word every day. And I I don't just mean, uh, here's a method for you. I think some of us get hung up on that and we uh, we feel condemnation or we feel like we're falling short when we don't have that great 30 minutes at the beginning of the day where we have our cup of coffee and our cozy chair and our Bible and our journal and no interruptions from children, right? Any of you feel like you're falling short when you don't get that? There are other ways to feed on the word of God, thankfully. This is not so much about a method as it is about a relationship with a person. And he has spoken to us by his word. So when we come together on a Sunday morning and you hear the word preached, that that is hopefully you're getting a, a dose of the word of God in that setting. And I pray that that's the case. I pray as I'm driving in here every week, my kids will tell you they hear me praying, this kind of thing. Lord, let your words be remembered and mine be forgotten. I want and desire that through these times that we gather together on Sundays, you would get a full meal of the word of God. There are other ways through songs that we listen to, through just a meditation uh, on verses that we've already learned. I was talking to someone who, just recently, last week, who had been through a, a terribly brutal season of a lot of, of difficulties, not able to have any kind of consistent rhythm of, of doing the, th- the things the way we sometimes prescribe them, of, of this quiet time and then this activity. And, and what she told me was, no, I, I actually sometimes would just have to meditate and cling on to verses that I had memorized. To just eat those little scraps every day and and that was enough god was continuing to encourage her and speak to her through your word are are you are you feeding on the word of god we do this as we hear the word as we read the word as we study the word and as we memorize meditate and apply the word of god we talked about this in weeks past but god continues to speak through his word And, and as we come to grow in our understanding of god Our understanding of his directions and will, we will understand better as we read his word, as we hear the word preached, as we talk about his word in our small groups and with our friends, and as we meditate and memorize the word on our own, and as we do what the spirit of God does through this word. We just talked about that indwelling Holy Spirit. The spirit of God applies the word of God to our lives so that as we read the word, we are convicted of sin, not condemned, but convicted. We're led in his kindness towards repentance. His his paths for us for that day are clarified. He leads us to life through his word. Now sometimes you'll hear earnest Christians object to the notion that God continues to speak to believers. They'll say that, that if, if you think that God gives additional, uh, directions or insights, they can't be from God because we cannot add to the word of God. And, and what I will tell you is when someone comes to you with a word from the Lord or what they believe is a word from the Lord, that the Holy Spirit has impressed on them, they're not seeking to add to the scriptures. They're seeking to, to be re- uh, obedient to the leading of the spirit of God. But what those words of revelation do for us is they apply the scriptures. I have stories to share about that but there are times in which people will, will come to us and they'll have a word from the lord for us or, or maybe it will be delivered through a sermon and you know that that's not an addition to the written word of god through scripture what it is is an application perhaps for a conviction perhaps for a commissioning perhaps for an encouragement an admonishment a rebuke whatever it is but what we see is that god's revelation by his word is accompanied by this revelation of his spirit. You can't understand his word apart from his spirit. See, one of the ways we distinguish the voice of Jesus from the voice of the stranger is that God will never tell you to do something that contradicts his word. Do you know that? So, so if, you're, if you're contemplating adultery and you're like, I think God is leading me to do this. No, he's not, he's not. God does not contradict himself. And so one way we we come to know and do the will of God is by growing in our understanding of his voice as it's revealed in the word of God, and we recognize it. See, when God speaks, we'll begin to recognize that his word sets us free, that his word for the believer in Christ, there is no condemnation. So, So if you feel conviction from the Lord, that's one thing, but condemnation, you begin to recognize that's the voice of a stranger. That's the voice of, of another. That is not the voice of the Lord. You see, his voice is perfect love. His voice casts out fear. His voice is not a, a voice of guilt and shame. I remember when I was in, in college and I was uh, telling a friend about, about just some things I was dealing with. I, I was saying, listen, I've, I have this sin in my life that I've confessed to the Lord, I brought it to him, but I continue to feel I cannot shake this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame. And he looked me in the eye and he said something along the lines of this, Mark, have you believed in Jesus as your savior? And do you know that your sins are nailed to that cross? And I'm like, yes. And he said, do you know that the scripture says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness? Yes. And so he said, you need to know something. Our God is not a God of guilt and shame. He's a God of grace and forgiveness. And, and, and if, if you have confessed these things to you, if you brought your heart before him, that lingering voice of guilt and shame is not the voice of God. And that was so helpful to me at that time, to, to be able to distinguish his voice through the truth of scripture from the voices of condemnation that I was listening to, the voice of the stranger. Thirdly, God speaks by his spirit as we pray. God speaks by his spirit as we pray. What is prayer? It's not complicated, it's, it's just dialogue with God. Not monologue, not us just talking and and sharing what we think and and our our to-do list and our checklist and, and our goals and dreams list. No, it's about a person and a relationship with a person. And to live a life that glorifies God, we desperately need this life of prayer. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see this. We see how he lived this out throughout his ministry. He would go out to the desolate place to just be in this intimate relationship with his father, praying and listening. In scripture, we do see the audible voice speak over Jesus on three different occasions, but the the daily rhythm of his life is this fellowship with his father through prayer. Prayer was like breathing to Jesus, and this is a mystery of the Trinity, but God the Father and Jesus are are one, and yet Jesus, being fully God and fully man, would go to his father for guidance and prayer, whether it's before he, he commissions the disciples or anytime, before he goes to the cross, he's in the garden and he's praying and he's seeking the leading of the Lord. And man, if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need it? Spurgeon says it this way. If you quote Spurgeon, it's it's pretty good uh, apparently for preachers to do that. They do it all the time. But he says this, he says that we must always keep the altar of private prayer burning because this is the very life of all piety. The sanctuary and family altars borrow their fires here. What he's saying is a godly home, a thriving marriage, an effective church, are all fed by, by the fires of our personal prayer. Those times that we spend in prayer before the Lord, speaking to God and listening to God, are what gives life and light to every other part of our life. Why, why? Is it because prayer gives us the opportunity to get a stamp of approval for our plans from God? No, no, in prayer our hearts change. Our hearts, our lives become more and more aligned with His. And as we pray according to His will, it will be done. Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches them to pray this way. And John, one of his disciples, he's learned this. And he says, this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. I'm going to come to a conclusion. And Moises is going to start playing on the keys back here to... (laughs) make that very clear to everyone. But um, I just want to share a, a, a little story from this. Um, we've been going through the study experiencing God over the last couple months. Has anyone been doing this study? Yours might look a little different, but this is the old school version of it with this cool picture of Moses on the front. Back in 2017, I got the opportunity to go through this study. And um, I was going through, and this is my first time kind of going through this, and, and what it talks about is obviously this love relationship with God where he wants to, to speak to us, he wants to work with in us, and uh, he is at work all around us. And as we were going through the study, experiencing God, one of my primary mis- uh, ministries at that time was I had left the world of, of work and full-time business and gone all in at church. And my responsibilities in the church were I was, I was to pastor and oversee our young adult ministry that at the time, college and young adults, it was called Fusion. And I was supposed to grow our small group ministry by adding more small groups. And so my focus was the college campus, the young adults and the small groups here in the church. And one year into this this role of of being here in the church in September of 2017, as I'm going through this study, I, I was just feeling discouraged, feeling discouraged by the lack of connection with the college campus, feeling discouraged about the multiplication of our small group ministry, feeling discouraged about how few people had started coming to our young adult Midweek, Wednesday, dinners. And honestly, I didn't know what to do because my ideas, my dreams were not going according to plan, feeling discouraged. And so then I, I open up this experience in God book and, and uh, the particular day I'm on, it says, we don't sit down and dream up what we want to do for God and then call God in to help us accomplish it. The pattern of scripture is that we submit ourselves to God. We wait until God shows us what he's about to do or watch to see what he is doing around us and join him. And so I'm, I'm doing this study on September 22nd of 2017. And, and if you've been doing a study like this, you know that, that every day it says reword the statement or scripture that really stood out to you as a prayer of response to God. And I said, Lord, I await oh your word. I wanna be in the center of your will. And then it says, what does God want you to do in response to today's study? And I say, submit to him in regard to my ministry stresses small young adult ministry, adding small groups, the need at George Mason University. That's it. So I pray and I I submit and I watch and I wait, and you might call this connecting the spiritual dots. You begin to actually look for where God might answer that prayer. Well, it didn't take long. Two days later, one of our awesome college students and summer interns, Mary Razowitz, comes to me. And she says, hey Mark, would you help me to start a small group Bible study for college students? And what I'm thinking is we could meet every Wednesday night right before young adults, before we have dinner for this Bible study. And here's what I think could happen. I think it will grow our young adult ministry. I think it will create a better connection with the college campus. And I'm thinking through another small group. This was on September 24th of 2017. See, this is what God does. Why do I tell that story? I I wanna tell you that it it showed me how God responds to prayer, how he speaks, how he speaks through circumstances, how he spoke through my sister in Christ. But I also want you to see that at some point in her relationship, in Mary's relationship with God, he had spoken to her and he had led her by his Holy Spirit. He had confirmed his plans and led her and and his plans, his will through, through this time of prayer, her will was brought in agreement with his. And what became clear was that this was something God was doing not something that we were going to accomplish in our own. He was answering. There's a lot more to say about this kind of thing. This is, this is what I hope will become uh, your daily experience with the Lord as we watch and pray because God continues to speak. He speaks by his spirit through his word and he speaks by his spirit as we pray and he responds to us and invites us into the work that he was, is doing. Some of you are struggling right now. As we come to a conclusion, you're struggling right now with, with a decision whether you're supposed to go to the right or the left. And you're watching and you're praying and you're waiting and you're, you're in this place where you're saying to yourself and to the Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. And, and what I will remind you of is that God continually invites us into this love relationship to draw near to him. And so I would just encourage you this way. If you don't know what to do, do what you know to do until you know what to do what do you know to do? Draw near to him in relationship. Seek him. Set down your own priorities and agenda. Learn to love and trust him. And when he begins to show himself to you, you will experience him at work all around you speaking to you.